everybody. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I hey. am John Howie, and I'm here with Jeff Hendricks. Yeah, hey, welcome back to the master lair, the, the mastermind lair, secret base of hidden awesomeness in Adderall. Adderall. Was, it, was Adderall? Adderall's like an ADD med, right? Correct. Yeah, we talked about that last time. I always think like, uh, crap, I can't even remember what it's called. Ritalin. Ritalin's usually the one I think of. I wonder yes, if like, that is. You wonder what? What are you wondering, John? Tell me what's on your mind. I wonder if they're like the same thing, just different names. You know? Um, they're similar. Yeah. Have you ever taken yeah. any ADD meds at all? Believe it or not, no. I actually haven't, but I do know people that have. Yeah. And it apparently it it does work. For short bursts, um, the thing is, is like, just like any other kind of psychotropic medicine or whatever, it uh, your body kind of reacts weirdly to it. So if you use it for extended periods of time, it does weird things to you. So most of the most of the people that I know that use it um, do it in short spurts when they need to, like you know for finals or you know exams or whatever. Um, or if they're working like a long project or something like that, and they'll use it for like a week or two, and then they'll they'll take a break so their body can renormalize, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I was listening to I, this thing on like antidepressants, and they were talking about how like uh, he said that he was given this like it was like a chemical imbalance in his body, is what he was told, and they gave him this these meds. I don't even know what it was, but it was something. Mm. Um, and uh, and he took it, and then he like started feeling better, and then he came back to the doctor, and he said, yeah, it's not working anymore, so then he upped it, and then it started right. working again, and then it stopped working, and then he upped it again, and they kept doing this until it went up to the max value, and yep, yeah, it was really interesting, um, but yeah. the, ba- the dude basically said that like the way to fight depression is community. He also says that hmm. about drug addiction, which is really interesting. Um. Anyways, see that. hey, so you ever you ever notice like you ever go to a presentation and they start with the agenda? They're like, "So guys, this is what I'm going to talk about," and then they list off everything, and right. it's like an item of like like ten things. I'm like, now I I kind of sit there and I'm like thinking, why are they doing this? Uh, they're removing the element of surprise. I mean, what's what's the point of that? You know. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, surprise! We're going to talk about something really controversial. I don't know. But I, yeah. I, I find that really boring. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, okay, so is the point so that when we look at item number 10, we know that item number 10 is, 10 is when we get to leave? Like, Yeah. Which parts can I ignore? Because I'm just like, if you just started the presentation without the agenda, we're not sitting here listening to you longer. Yeah. Right, that's true. You just leave that part out. You don't need it. And I've sat through many, many long, boring presentations, and I don't think any of them were very interesting, which actually um, I'm almost finished watching an interesting speaker. Um, Let me see the guy's name. Dr. Jason Lyle. In fact, I'm almost finished watching it. It, He did a – he he does – lectures on uh, creationism in mathematics and sciences and things like that. And I'm watching Uh him do a presentation on the Mandelbrot set. 
So what do you know about the Mandelbrot set? I know nothing. Okay, so the interesting thing that he talks about is um, the Mandelbrot set is basically is a set of numbers, okay? Uh-huh. And there's a formula, and uh, the formula is, I forget, it's like a ZN plus C equals, you know, uh, ZN or whatever. And so what ends up happening is is you plug a number into the this formula, and uh-huh. and then you take the result and you plug it back into the formula and you just keep cycling it through and if the number grows exponentially it's not in the mandelbrot set but if it stays close to 0 it is now wow that's really cool so if you use imaginary numbers which everybody knows imaginary numbers are basically the square root of a negative number it's not really positive right. it's not really negative right Yep. So if you map a 2D plane using imaginary numbers and real numbers and you apply it to this formula, it makes these really beautiful designs called fractals. Ah, okay. That's fractals where fractals awesome. come from. And you can zoom in on it as much as you want to. You can just, you know, go to bigger decimal places and, and get finer and and zoom in and zoom in and and the pattern repeats to infinity which is the you know the the traits of a of a fractal and so the the premise behind this guy's talk is he explains what the mandelbrot set is he illustrates it right yep. he he explains what the formula is and then he shows you what it looks like if you were to plot it out on a computer screen or a piece of paper or whatever and then he takes shapes from the Mandelbrot set, and he talks about how mathematics is conceptual. You can't stub your toe on a number, right? Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's an idea. So That's really cool. And, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, it's one of those things where you, you see that there are systems in play. And so for someone to not say there's intelligent design is pretty crazy because you see all these systems – and this code, I mean, it's like DNA too, right? DNA is like a complex code, and it's like it's how how can it not mean that there was design? Well, and that's exactly what he was talking about because there are double spiral helixes in the Mandelbrot set, and he, if you zoom in on certain areas, you can see them. And so what he said was, the natural world mimics mathematical figures like the Mandelbrot set and other fractals right but why the question is why and that's the question that naturalists uh can't answer okay so like if mathematics is something that human beings just thought up why does the natural world mimic it or obey it when we didn't we couldn't have thought of it but those laws were already in place you can map out the formula for the orbits of the planets, but the planets were orbiting before humans existed. Yeah. Like two days before or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like we're discovering something that's very complex and it's systematic. Right. I actually, it, you know, when you said the word nat- naturalist, I always think of like people that go to those special like little beaches and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the same thing. Not, not exactly. There's different, no. different types of naturalists, I guess. Right. Hey, so, so, anyway. so like. 
Yeah. I I was thinking like so, you know, obviously like with presentations and stuff like that and saying, you know, like there's 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 an agenda and it's like they're wasting time, they're wasting my time. I I really like expedient language, right? And I was yep. just thinking like when when somebody says, "Hey, um we're going to go to McDonald's for supper." And you want to say you don't want to? What if we instead of saying oh like instead of saying not okay, we just say no k. Well, in 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 the deep south, they they actually do that. They combine words like uh-huh. um, instead of saying do you, you know we're going to go to the store? Or do you want to? Uh, they would just say you want to, you want to, and instead of saying yeah that sounds all right, they just say I. I like that. So yeah, that's that's kind of that does happen in certain places. So could we all start using no K? Uh, sure. <laughs> no K. Yeah, no, no. Wait, okay, okay, no K. No K. I'm confused. No K. Yeah, well, that that you could confuse because if you say it, you go mm, okay. It could sound either way. Could have fun with that. Really could could have a lot of fun with that. Anyways, so yeah. Hey, you, you ever heard about that whole thing that like uh, you like being mad or being disappointed is worse than being mad? Mm, no, never heard that. Tell okay, me more. Okay, it's like it's like it's like when your dad says to you, "It's like you know, I, I'm not mad at you, Jeff. I'm just disappointed." And <laughs> and some, thinking, some, somehow that's goodness. supposed to be worse. Exactly, exactly. So this is what I would say. So it's like I'm not bad. I'm just disappointed. I'll be like, so we good then? Yeah. So I can live with I you was, being I disappointed. Was scared. Yeah, it's like I was scared you were gonna be mad, but if you're just dis- disappointed, like I can live with that. Yeah, totally. You okay? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> you okay and no okay. I think that's the title of this episode right there. You okay? <laughs> Hey, it's really okay. interesting. Okay, well, the other thing I was thinking that's kind of weird, just weird thoughts, I guess, um, is like when you go to like a concert and they're like, make some noise. It seems like they have like a specific noise they have in mind. But I'm always like, yes. thinking, what's a noise they don't want to hear? Like, <laughs> like I'm just bring like a, <laughs> just bring a bullhorn and, and some <laughs> static noise and just like, <laughs> <laughs> or. I don't know. <laughs> really trying out the audio here. Yeah, make some noise. Have you ever uh, you ever seen uh, Mark Driscoll? Um, he did this like rant about men that abuse women, and it's 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 pretty serious. But I like I I saw like uh, I heard a podcast where they were like playing that clip because he actually. Yeah. There's a point where he's just like, how dare you? And he just like keeps yelling, right? And it's like, taken out of context, it's really weird. And I was actually watching uh, one of my pastors. He was testing out the sound system. And I'm like, dude, I would go full Driscoll on this just to test the range of the sound system, you know? And just start going, how dare you? (laughs) That would be be, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah I, was watch- I was watching that clip earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to just be like, just 
just drop something totally random, like in a like in a, a, a worship set or in a sermon or something. Just like just drop something totally bizarre and random in there, just to see if people are paying attention. You know, you, you ever wanted to do that? What do you mean? Like, what what kind of thing would you drop in there? Like, like uh, well, let's see. For instance, like so you're you're let's say you're you're doing a worship set, and in between worship yeah. songs, you go, all right, everybody, let's just thank God for the color fuchsia. Lift your hands yeah. down. That would be good. You know. Lift your and hands you just, down. And you just and you just totally just do it like Look. just roll off the tongue and like nothing, you know, and, and and see how many people just kinda like look at each other and try and figure out what you just said. You know. Guys, I'm really feeling mauve in this room right now. I just want to take off my shoes and socks right now, guys. Yeah. We're we're yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lift your tentacles to the Lord right now. Lift your tentacles. <laughs> I'm a horrible person for even thinking that, but it would be so funny. Well, you could do like I, I wonder if like there's been some like April Fools pranks that people have pulled at a worship service. Ooh, boy, I bet there are. Yeah. I'm going to have to google that now. <laughs> Just ridiculous things like Okay, guys, yeah. so we're a cult now, and I don't know. <laughs> Oops. We accidentally became a cult over the weekend. Hey, I, I heard this really interesting thing. Uh, this guy was talking about, like, opportunities that we get, like how we get opportunities in our life, like day-to-day, you know, and yeah, um, he was, like, saying they're kind of like baseball pitches, and it's like knowing which opportunities to take and everything. And I just thought that was a killer analogy. Which pitch to hit, huh? Yeah, it'd be which pitch to hit, and it's also how you hit that pitch, right? Because sometimes... You could bunt it, yeah. You could bunt it, or you could hit a pop fly that someone's going to catch. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just knock it out of the park. Oh. How dare you? I never thought... Oh man, yeah. Um, I, I I never thought of the bunt thing. No, that's an interesting idea. It's like you know what, guys. I'm gonna. And you know, I think sometimes taking opportunities and being humble with them. I think that's what bunting would be. Bunting. Uh, when I hear the word bunt, it makes me think of a couple of things. It makes me think of bunt cakes. What that? Like it's a kind of a cake where they have the um like it's in a in a round pan with a hole in the middle and they you know, they drip icing over it. It's called a bunt cake. Oh, okay. Um, also oh, okay. makes I me think I've seen that. Yeah, a bunt cake, yeah. So yeah. like can you just imagine when you know, you're talking baseball and somebody says, Oh yeah, and he's gonna bunt and you go, Cake? I want cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I've been doing the keto thing. You really? Keto is? How's yeah, that going? Yeah. I lost like 30 pounds. I've been doing it since what? July. Yeah. Um, I, I read on Twitter that if you don't tell people about it, you don't lose weight. So. <laughs> That's what I've heard too, but you know. <laughs> so it's been working because I've been telling everybody. Um, uh, it's funny though. Like I saw like because I'm not eating like sugar, um, like no like added sugar um, and like That's low hard. carb, right? There's no such thing as yeah. no carb, but it's low carb, so I don't have rice or you know whatever. Right. But um, right. it's funny. Uh, today there was some like cake in the office. 
And I looked at it, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I ever really liked cake to b- begin with. Like, I love frosting. I, I've always loved frosting. But it's like, yeah. is the cake, the cake is basically just something to hold frosting. Yeah, it's spongy, kind of just frosting-holding, shapey thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's a sponge to put icing on. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I don't, don't want to just keep talking and running my mouth off, but it's been so long since I've talked with you. We, we've got a lot uh, to catch up on. So, okay. <laughs> um, music. Um, first of all, uh, Jonathan Colton, the singer who um, uh, talks, uh, well, he does weird geeky songs. He actually wrote a song about the Mandelbrot set, just throwing that out there. Um, okay. And uh, it's pretty funny, but, you know, he's he's a weird guy. So, um Second, music. Um, I am. I have been really, really tempted in the last couple of weeks to go back and re-listen to a lot of '80s synth pop stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, uh, stuff like that. You know, um, Aha, and I, I've oh. got all kinds of yeah, just just crazy stuff. But it it really just kind of it struck me at at how simple some of those are, and yet they could take something simple like a synthesizer and really make these big full sounds out of basically just modulated sine waves, you know. Right. So it just really fascinates me. Synthesizers in general just really fascinate me, just because they're so geeky and nerdy and all the wires and stuff. Um, yeah. But but uh and again I like I said last time we we uh podcasted we what's the proper past tense passive verb of podcasting podcasted. last time we podcasted together I guess okay yeah we had talked about I, I, about how much I wanted to start working on music projects again right yeah so one of the, one of the challenges that I'm going to do is I'm going to try and use as many physical devices to make music. Like if you see these videos of guys like um, using like little cord mini synths and stuff like that, the, all they're doing is they're like pressing buttons and twisting knobs and they make these incredible soundscapes out of just modulating samples and sine waves and stuff like that. And so, but it's very hands-on, you know. Uh-huh. And when I sit down in front of a computer to make music, a lot of what I do is just clicking and dragging stuff on the computer, and it's just it doesn't really spark me creatively, you know, as uh-huh. much as tweaking knobs and things does. Because um, you get an immediate feedback, you know. That's um, very cool. I love I, that idea. Um, unfortunately, yeah. physical music devices like that and synths and things like that are not very cheap. Um, yeah. But I can take something... And use what I have, like real basic, like, you know, guitar pedals and weird modulators and things like that. And it's just something to spark my spark me creatively because I'm just kind of feeling like in a creative slump. Like, well, I could do this or that, but I just I'm not really feeling it, you know. So I went back and I just listened to some old music to see if I could just kind of stir those creative juices a little bit. And, and it just yeah. kind of got me thinking about that, you know. Anyways. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what was inspiring me. Um, I was... What? So I've been doing I've been doing a lot of discographies. I don't know on Christian musicians musicians I've been doing like featured artists. Um, I did Aha yeah. first actually, which was really interesting. 
Yeah. Um, but I did um, I did some movie soundtracks, and I think it was oh. uh, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri, yeah. Yes. So I was listening to him, and I came up with this like cinematic kind of sound, and I had like this 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 uh, brass line in my head, mm-hmm. um, and then I added some like percussion that was uh, kind of cinematic in quality. And then I added a cool. bass line, and I'm like, okay, cool. Then I added another bass line, and I'm like, huh. And then I added a synth bass line. So it has three bass lines in it. It's just the weirdest thing. I'd love and, to hear that. Yeah, I'll have to show you it. Maybe I'll put it at the end of the podcast. Um, Do it. But it, the song is titled Hey. Um, and uh, actually, uh, Jason Bukowski played it on his show. Um, a few times for me, which is awesome. That's um, great. But it's like, I think for the first time, I'm actually writing stuff riff-based. I have never written riff-based uh, before. Usually I start with like a chord, a chord progression. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm working on another song, too, that's like guitar riff-based. And so I, I feel like I'm taking a different direction with it, too. I think sometimes you have to kind of... You know, where you're saying, I, I, I want to manipulate stuff with my hands to make that sound, and that's what, gonna be my, what I'm going to build my create, creative process on. And, like, for right. me, what was really interesting is it was the first time, too, that I've started recording without really knowing what I'm doing. Like, usually I have it all <laughs> planned out. You know what I mean? You write the complete song, then you sit down and record. With me, I, I recorded it section by section, but, like, wrote it as I was adding the section. And ah. so, so I feel like it's an interesting mode of writing for me. And so, I don't know. It's, it's interesting what inspires you, right? Whatever works. So. Yeah, that's the trick. It's not that, I mean, everybody has some level of creativity in them. The trick is finding out how to access it. And so for some people, it is pencils and paper or pastels, watercolors. Or some people, it's soundscapes or dancing or you know whatever it is but if you can find out how to tap into that then you have creativity built into you i mean it's a part of who you are yeah you know as created beings we are also creative um so it's just kind of it's a kind of a game to try and you know try and figure out the the way to unlock that you know what's the best way to do it well it's it's kind of figuring out yeah because you know, like, I always get myself onto projects. So, like, I had the project where I'm basically going through my discography. <laughs> like, if, if there's an artist that I have that has, or that I listen to that has, like, more than three albums, I'll go through their entire discography and I'll build that playlist, you know, based right. on what I've discovered. Um, yeah. Which is really interesting. I mo- most recent one I did was Alice Cooper. And, um, huh. I, th- I think what's interesting is, like, you hear, like, a legendary artist like that, and it's like, man, he had some pretty crappy songs. Like, I, <laughs> when I did ACDC, I discovered that, too, and Alanis Morissette, I was like, man, there's some lousy songs by these artists. You'd think they would yeah. all be awesome, but there's some pretty no. lousy songs. But, I mean... Nope, and, they're not uh, all hits, yeah. And Cooper goes all the way back to, like, 1969, and so... Yeah, um, he's been around a while. Yeah, and his his late 60s stuff is really good, too. It was really interesting. 
Um, but yep. yeah, that's been, you know, so I kind of get onto these creative tears where I feel compelled to do something ridiculous. Um, the other thing is I'm using, you know, like the different, um, episodes that I've done for the wax museum and I've yeah. been writing chapters of a book based on them. Nice. So I'm like on chapter three now. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, and a buddy of mine challenged me to, he says like, you need to actually say how much writing you're going to do. And so I've committed to doing a chapter a month. So we'll see how that goes. I'll, I want to do like 15 chapters. So I probably will have it done by the end of 2019. But I'm thinking after that, I think I'd like to take on doing an ADD masterminds book. That would be cool. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm not sh- 100% sure what that's going to look like because it'll just be killer segues <laughs> all the way through. But I think it'd be fun to do. It'll be similar to the blog that we did for a little bit there. Um, anyways, you know, it's funny. So as a creative person, you're always looking for something interesting, something new. Um, and... Do we apply that to other parts of our lives? Like, are there things that you, you know, like, I have a hard time with nostalgia. Like, I just kind of like, I don't, I don't do a great job of looking back and saying, oh, that was a nice time. Like, I can, I don't long for the old days, like, at all. Like, do you ever long for the old days? Yes, all the time. Yeah. And, but with certain caveats. And caveats is like mm. my favorite word. I have to use that once every episode. I don't know it if it sounds like a type not, of but. food. <laughs> I think we did that before, didn't I? I? I made that joke before, didn't I? Yeah, I use that word all the time. I like that. But the truth is, is that I like certain things about the old days, but not everything. Um, you know, in the old days, cars were simpler, life was simpler. Um, but then again, you didn't have a lot of the conveniences and things that you have now, you know? And so there's a lot of good things that have come with time and technology and society as a whole has grown, uh, the medical field, et cetera, information, technology, things like that. Exactly. But on the other hand, people as a whole haven't really changed. And so our needs, our base core needs haven't really changed. And so sometimes it's refreshing to go back and just remove yourself from all of the information stuff and go back to simple even if it's only temporarily, if it's for a you know a couple of hours or a couple of days, and just type on a manual typewriter or write with a pencil and paper, or you know oh there's nothing wrong with that. I sure. love that you know and so um, yeah. I I read a story about a couple in I think it was well it was in Washington probably either in Portland or Seattle which should shock absolutely nobody um, but they had decided that they were going to live in Victorian era. Everything. So their house, all their clothes, their transportation, everything was from the 1800s. Um, and it was bizarre. Um, but they were like, yeah, no, we just, we don't, we don't use anything that's modern. If it's, you know, uh, you know, mid early 1800s or before, you know, and so they had this antique a vintage bicycle that they rode around everywhere. And they, she had like the big Victorian skirt and the, the hats and the whole, I mean the whole thing, man, they cooked on a wood stove and 
Yeah, it was bizarre. And I'm like, that's taking it a little too far. Um, cause you know, like sweaters are nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting experiment though. Right. And I mean, like for yeah. me, I do go camping and that's my way of disconnecting from technology. Right. Yeah. I do that for the same reason. Exactly. Exactly. And then I, I do my social media Sabbath, which I do Sundays now. Because I oh. find Saturday's a great day. Saturday's a great day to do like podcast editing and stuff. Because I don't do that. I don't do that on my Sabbath. Because I like what it is is like I know that like a big part of me um, feels like it's my job to save the world. So I'll take a day off of social media, a day off of podcasting and writing and all this stuff because those are the things I do to save the world. So. Yeah. Take a break from being Superman for a day. I think we all need to do it. Save slash take over the world. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I'm going to save the world by taking over it, right? Yeah. My evil plan to save the world. Just you wait till it's unfurled. It'll go down. It's an old Five Iron song. Nice. So, yeah, it's pretty great. So I, I guess, like... One of the dangers of nostalgia is that we can, like, look at something that the Lord has done in our lives and say, hey, can you do this again? And, I mean, like, Uh it's like, okay, um, what he did back then is not something that's going to help you now necessarily. And I I think, like, we can look at what God has done in the past to encourage us that he can meet us where we are now. But this idea of, like, oh, can you just repeat this thing you did before – it's, you know what I mean? Like it, we're yeah. in a totally different situation now, and so to be like, hey, do that thing again. It's like, hey, Jesus, can you turn water into wine again at this wedding? Right? Like it's, I don't right. know. Right, and and God's not obligated to do the same thing the same way all the time. And no, that's a that's a common mistake that people make is that God is bound to keep doing the same thing the same way. All the time, and he doesn't. God, God doesn't change, but his methods change in accordance to the situation because he knows what works best. And, and he's um, creative. He's yeah, creative. He's going to show you. Very, very creative. Just look up the Mendelbrot set. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Oh, I was at this. Uh, I was at this session um, where they were talking about forest fires. And um, you got mad forest fires in California right now, right? I heard. Yeah, yeah. And um, what they did, I can't remember what region, it might have been in Canada, um, they showed a photo from like the 1930s, 1940s of the forest, and then they showed a photo of the forests in modern times. And Mm -hmm. in modern times, our forests are very thick. Um, In those days, the forests were more sparse. Interesting. Interesting. Right now, we have mad forest fires. Like British Columbia in Canada. Um, you know that's in Canada, right? Um, yes. <laughs> sorry. Although it's not, like, it's not just, in Britain or in Colombia, so I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah. But anyways, they had a similar thing where they just had these mad forest fires. Um, and it's like we're seeing this increase in that kind of activity um, one of the explanations actually is because we have decided we want our forests to be thick. It's been like man's intention to plant trees to make them thick. And it's like, right. 
And, like, not only have we planted trees to make them thick, but we've also put out natural forest fires so that they don't get yes. thinned out that way either. And right. I thought it was, like, such an interesting illustration of how God designed it one way, and we decided to go our own way on these things, and it gets yes. worse. We try and circumvent it. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, the Mississippi River, largest river in North America. I know how to spell um, it. Yes, I do, actually. I'm not going to because I don't need to. But the Mississippi River actually has been trying to shift tracks into the Atchafalaya River for the past 100 years or so. And they built dams to prevent this from happening because they did not want that. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, um, the water would dry up in the current Mississippi River right. basin. And everything south of the Atchafalaya Branch River would basically be underwater at that point until it wore a new groove, you know. Um, and so for the last 100 years or so, they've actually dammed it off and prevented the Mississippi River from switching tracks. So huh. the problem with that is is now they're finding that it it does things when you hold back the natural course of water like that, it starts doing really bizarre things. <laughs> Because eventually you can only hold back nature so long, yeah. and you know eventually it's going to it's going to break through one way or the other. So, um, but it's things like that. Like when we think we can circumvent the natural order of things, and the truth is, is that if we would just stop intervening with things, it would. I mean, the system is designed to sort itself out. So, um, yeah, for the most part, it'll do that. You know, and. A lot of the things that we have people claiming are these huge, horrible natural disasters and um, they'll destroy and change the ecology forever. They, they're just part of the cycle. You know, um, all of that stuff, it's all cyclical. And, uh, you know, even the global warming, global cooling, it's all, it runs in cycles. You know, it was designed that yeah. way. It's self-sustaining. I've heard that argument. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't want to totally get into this, but it, no. it was really interesting. Um, I read a book about um, about climate change and all that, and what was really interesting to me is they, they talked about this volcano that erupted, and I don't, hmm. I don't remember well what volcano it was, but its ash spread over the entire earth, and it actually changed yes. the temperature of the earth by a couple degrees. So I'm like... Yep. Okay, well, the idea of something small, you know, because, I mean, like, it's like, okay, it's one volcano. The idea of something small Vesuvius? like that changing the temperature is amazing. I think, well, yeah. was that Vesuvius? I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. I have to look this up. My ADD is kicking in. <laughs> By the way, I heard, like, a... I heard like a dynamite um, saying, it's like, you don't need a mortgage for a treehouse. thought that was pretty good. That actually is very, that is very good. Um, that's a very good point. I mean, I think that's one of the, the things that, and I was talking to somebody about this just a few days ago. I said, you know, we, and especially in North America, have really lost the ability to live within our means because yeah we've 
constantly being trying to be upsold on everything, you know, and it's considered an act of rebellion to not buy new stuff all the time. Yep. All right. So, yeah, there's been a few volcanoes. I'm looking at the dates here. Ooh, yeah. Vesuvius is probably one of the biggest, most recent ones. That's probably Um, the one. I think so, yeah. They've been some massive ones. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think what's interesting to me is that we are putting a lot of garbage into the air. So if we could put less garbage into the air, we'll probably have less sick people. And we'll probably yeah. it'd probably be better. Um, what exactly our impact is, I I don't really know. And I mean, it's interesting because right. it's like there's doom and gloom for people that have no spiritual beliefs, and you know, and they're panicking <laughs> about this. But then there's like right. Christians who just kind of like, no, no, no. God told us we have domains, so we can just trash the earth. And it's like, can we be somewhere in between? Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's Yeah, we're supposed to be stewards of the earth. We we need to take yeah. care of it. Um but yeah. at the same time we, we gotta realize that there is a some level of autonomy built into the 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 ecosystem in the earth. It is very much self healing, self regulating. Um and uh, but I mean everything has limits. I don't Definitely. think we've reached the limit of that yet. Um, and, of course, nobody really wants to find out where that limit is but, you know, no. by, by hitting it. Um, but I think the Earth is a lot more tolerant of abuse than we give it credit for. That doesn't well, mean we like, should abuse it, though. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you talk about, like, parenting, I've been thinking about that, too. It's like kids are resilient. It's yeah. like I have clearly not been the perfect parent. I've, I've done... You know, it's funny, even, you know, like saying I'd done the best I could. I'm like, well, there's been some days that I've taken off. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you have your moments where you're like, you know what? I'm not getting off the couch right now. Or, you know, and it's like, and it sounds like I'm a terrible parent to say that. But I'm like, let's be honest. Like, when somebody says they did, did the best they could at anything, really, they're lying. Who does the best they can at everything, right? Like, it's, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, yeah. It's just I, a I very common phrase to just say that. Well, it did the best I could. It's like, no, yeah. you didn't. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, hey, um, whenever I hear the term drones, I'm always like, so are they like camera drones or Kelly drones? Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I guess it depends. Um. I mean, usually you know from the context, but it's usually, like that, yeah, it's like Amazon's gonna send a drone to your house. Oh, hold on, hold on. Is it like one yeah. of those delivery drones, or is it a killy drone? Because I yeah, need to it, know. What is it the death death drones, or is it the I'm delivering goodies to your house drones? Something interesting that I've uh, bumped across. I've, I've been a I'm a fan of anything robotic or electronic in nature, just as a geek and a right. supervillain. You know, I'm always looking for things that I can use in my uh, evil lair. Um, I ran across this this TV series um, called the Drone Racing League, and so what they do is they have these little flying helicopter drones. You know, like the ones that you you know you see in the stores, but these go about 60 miles an hour, and they have cameras on them. 
and the pilots have headsets with visors and they fly them as if they're flying the actual drone. And so it's first person uh, drone racing. So I thought this was really fascinating and watching them do this is really, really cool to watch. It's really fun. But they just announced that they're starting an completely autonomous flying drone racing league. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but DARPA has been having uh, driverless car contests out in the desert for like the last 20 years. Um, Interesting. They have. And so they would lay out a course, and you had to design a car that could navigate the course, and whichever one did it the fastest, of course, won a prize, the DARPA prize. Um, but they've gotten so good at that that they're now applying that technology to all kinds of stuff now. Um, they now have self-driving farm tractors that can ro- that can you know plow and and plant entire fields without anybody sitting in the tractor. Um, they have self-driving Teslas now, you know, uh, cars that you can actually update the firmware from remotely, and then they, you know, it, it drives itself. Um, this technology is getting huge, and it's really fascinating to me. Just just from the concept of it, you know, from the technical aspect, but from the the practical application of it, it's like, statistically speaking, automatic driving cars are safer than human-driven cars, and it's statistically proven. They can, yeah. they can show you the numbers, but nobody wants that. to admit that. Yeah. You know, you know what's complicated, though, is having the AI make decisions. Um, right. Like, you know, whether it should kill the driver or kill the child. <laughs> you know, like if it's given a mm. scenario, one of those classic, like, what Ethical do you call it? Ethics scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's one of the things that will get interesting with it. Um, but I, I don't, like, I don't doubt that there will be a day where someone says, really? You had humans driving cars? That's so stupid. <laughs> that reminds you know me what of I mean? Demolition Man. Have you ever seen the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie Demolition Man? No, was was it Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone? That I'm not that, sure. Uh, I don't I remember. Think it was Stallone. I think it was. I think it was Stallone. But um, yeah. So in the future, that all the cars are self-driving, and so nobody knew how to drive cars anymore. So he breaks into a museum and steals a '69 Chevelle. And it's so great, you know, but, uh, this, you know, goofy stuff like that. I I love that kind of stuff. I actually really like it's, I, I really like comedy that calls out things that we don't see in our society. You know what I mean? Like, I maybe, maybe examples are failing me right now, but, um, office space. Yeah. Yeah, demolition man. Um, there, there's been several that are just very tongue-in-cheek. Of course, idiocracy. Um, that's oh, I loved classic. idiocracy. That was crazy. Oh, um, that movie just but kills it's, me. But it's a social part commentary. Of it is funny right? and part like, of it is true. What's that? Social commentary, right? And comedians typically see what other people don't see, and so it's funny, but then it's also insightful. And it's kind of like, 
red pill people and blue pill pill people, right? Like the I'm not yeah. even sure which one's the which one's the matrix. You go and see what the matrix is. Is it the red pill? It's the red the red pill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, like I've been thinking, you know, how do red pill people and blue pe- pill people, you know, coexist? You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. Because yeah. I think about like like stuff like okay that there'll be a song playing you know somebody will sing you are my sunshine and you know it's like oh that's a cute song and I'm like yeah it's about like a dude whose wife is leaving him isn't it <laughs> you know what I mean please don't take my sunshine away that's what I hear anyways it's like the other night dear when I was sleeping I dreamt I hold, held you in my arms and then he says please don't take my sunshine away right and I'm like huh and this is just a cute little song like I had friends who played it at their wedding I'm like I'm pretty sure this is a breakup song guys like <laughs> but you know but it's like people but just have these ideas people, right they simplify yeah. everything and they they don't want to people just tend to ignore things they don't understand um and just kind of yeah. gloss over that you know and you you don't want to know right like it's like I don't right. want to know how the sausage is made I just want to eat it Maybe that's it. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like you watch Portlandia and they're like interviewing the waiter about how the chicken was ethically killed, you know, and like yeah. I don't care. Just give me a chicken salad. I don't care how you killed the chicken. <laughs> well, I you know, and I think what's interesting too is that if you are a blue pill person, um, you're not gonna do a great job of ministering to a red pill person. You know, like if no. you're trying to share the gospel, you're a blue p- pill person and you're trying to share the gospel with a red pill person, you're just going to come off as a jerk. So <laughs> how would you define, how would you define red pill and blue pill? Uh, just humor me. What, 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 how would you define that in modern day terms? Huh? Well, I, I think there's people who simplify things into just like, well, it's this way or well, it's that way or I don't care about that. Um, I think people that will, I think the blue pill people are people that want their world to be simple. So it's as easy as just saying, well, I belong to this party or I belong to this denomination or, you know, like, it's like, there's no decision. It's just the way it is. Right. And they'll tend to listen to pop music because it doesn't really say much. Right. Like it's, you know what I mean? Yes. Like they yes. they don't want to they don't want to actually think about what's behind things. Right. And, and a red pill person would be somebody that is always looking for meaning behind things. Yeah, which is like becomes an obsession. And I know for me it's probably to a point of obsession and it's hard conspiracy for me to just, theories. Yeah. Um well, I'm not totally a conspiracy theory person. I do find those people intriguing though. I'll hear them out <laughs> just for yeah. sheer entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, just the idea of, you know, always looking for deeper meaning in things, always look, not, not always taking everything at face value. That, that yeah. kind of is the hallmark of like a red pill person. And yeah. And I, I tend to turn that on and off because when I yeah. just ha- had a long day, I don't really want to sit down and psychoanalyze what my children are thinking. I'm just like, just sit down and eat your dinner. You know, I <laughs> just, you know, just, 
I, I go blue pill at dinner time. I'm just like, just sit down and eat your dinner. I don't want to, you know, we don't have to discuss the finer points of, you know, my feelings as a parent. Just, just eat dinner. It's tacos. You like tacos, <laughs> you know. And I, I guess I'm red pill most of the time. And maybe that's part of why I need that Sabbath because the Sabbath yes. is more blue pill for me. Like I'm yep. not trying to find the meaning in everything. Yeah, um, it's forcefully also, simplifying things. Yeah, but I also need to create, otherwise I will lose my mind. And so I think that's why writing and having podcasts and like feeding my brain <laughs> with podcasts and reading and stuff like that is, is what I need in order to function. And so it's that rhythm, right, between like... Yep. One day of blue pill and six days of red pill. Yeah, because by the time I get to the end of my week, I'm exhausted because I'm thinking about all this stuff. And it, it comes out. I mean, people can see it come out in conversations. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of my Facebook posts are that, where I'm just like, huh. Like, I, uh, what did I ask today, uh, this week? I was like, what's the difference between faith and certainty? I was legit asking that. I'm like, I, hmm. there's a difference. That's a good question. I think there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still thinking Absolutely. about it. <laughs> but Faith and I think, you know, like knowing the place to be a red pill person, because if you're a red pill person or if you're a comedian, which I think a lot of comedians are red pill people, um, there are opportunities to change the conversation. And sometimes we do need to change the conversation. Um, yeah. I, I heard this thing. You we're talking about like how people are in a loop. Um, and so you go to like, uh, like th they were talking about they went to a museum and there was somebody who was giving the same spiel to every person, right? It's like, okay, when you guys go inside this exhibit, blah, 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 right? And so you then they come it. up to her and, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it was a lot of blahs. Um, and, uh, and so she would give that spiel every time and the guy was observing that and like thinking, I kind of want to break her loop. Like, just say something. You know, that would that would just, like, humanize her a little bit. You know, like, just kind of be like, <laughs> so? You know, it's like, even, you know, when you go through the drive-thru, and they're always like, how are you today? And it's like, good. But you, like, most people never ask the person going through the drive-thru, how are you? Right? And right. I think that's part of changing the conversation sometimes is breaking people out of their loops a little bit. And, I mean, you have to do it gently. Um, my Put your tentacles in the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Because I'm like, it's it's good to break people's loop every once in a while, but you can't be too much for people either. Which is something I'm learning <laughs> is how to not be too much for people. Yeah, uh, one of the people that I work with is a certified hypnotist, among other things. <laughs> She's a very interesting nice. person. Interesting. And, um, yeah. And so one of the things that she mentions about hypnotism is that the brain has a limited capacity for input. And so uh -huh. if the brain and so what'll happen is is they'll take somebody that's really flustered and angry and running around and just oh, oh, oh my gosh, oh no, no, no and she just walks up to them and just taps them on the forehead, forehead right between the eyes, just plucks them right there and they just their brain shuts off. Like their conscious brain is is overloaded to the point where it has a power blink and it just stops. 
that's and that's crazy. that's how they do hypnotism. Yeah, and so she actually did this to one of the people at at work, and of course, you know, there's a whole thing story that goes with that. But, um, but yeah, the 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 whole idea of of your sensory overload and your brain and layers of function that your brain performs and yeah. limitations thereof, you know, yeah. it, it plays into that. I'm sorry, what were we talking about before that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, like, because I I feel like I need a certain amount of stimulation before I feel like I'm doing something. I guess like I need to feel right. like I'm doing something to maintain a certain level of happiness. Mm. If that makes but if any you have sense. Too much, then you're overloaded and you shut down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's actually um, a TED Talk where the person was talking about um, why boredom is important. Um, people who are, like, when you're being creative, sometimes you need to shut everything off and experience boredom. Yeah. And I actually, I find on my blue pill days, I will have ideas, which I will write down. And I get some of my best ideas on those days because I'm not sharing those ideas. Um, yeah. There's really no purpose in it until I resume doing my creative stuff the next day, right? But I'll write down that idea, and then I'm like, huh. And I wonder how many of my best ideas come that day. Because it, it is important to have that boredom to kind of maybe knock your brain out of that loop. Right. And so, again, that's, that's kind of a, an idea of figuring out what works for you what levels of stimulation or what kind of um, creative outlets work best with the way you process information, you know, which is why I really want to try using physical instruments instead of just digital music. Cause I really like digital music. I can make chip tunes on my phone all day. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy to do. I could just swipe my finger all day, but there's a, there's so an, interesting. a tactile sensory feedback to it that it's missing. You know, I like the word that tactile. is I love tactile feedback and my, my kids have sensory issues. They, they crave tactile feedback. They, they, they crave hmm. it. And then when they have too much, they just crash and burn because their brains are overloaded. Um, which is oh. very frustrating for a child because they have no idea where that limitation is. And so, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you have to scale it back for them and go, okay, you have to step away from your computer for an hour before bedtime because otherwise you're going to absolutely have a meltdown because you can't self-regulate your level of stimulation. And to be honest, do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm like 44 and I'm still not good at it. So, you know. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've just noticed recently, um, if I do something too obsessively, like even Netflix binging or playing video games, um, there's a point where I start having, it's like, I don't know if compulse, compulsive thinking it starts changing my thinking anyways, and I start getting into these thinking patterns that I'm like, oh, this isn't healthy. I feel like kind of depression's kicking in a little bit or whatever. And what, mm -hmm. I've, what I've noticed is like so, like especially when I'm on my own, like when I'm out, out of town traveling or whatever, I'm like only like two Netflix shows, and then i got to stop. Right. And I've kind of done right. that, and it's kind of helped my mental health a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because I'm like, it's like more than two of something. It's like if I play more than two 
NHL 18 games, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit sad. Like it's it's weird. I and so I'll I'll switch it up and go do something else, right? And it's yeah, like, and right. I feel like I need to do that. And yeah, realizing that at 40, right? Yeah. And so ADD people are very much a paradox because we constantly crave stimulation and yet we have very low tolerance for it. And so we're constantly oh, totally. towing that line and and walking that line and it, it gets it gets. Spot. Yeah, finding that sweet spot is really critical to guys with creative streaks because it's very easy to to crash and burn from overstimulation and you get overwhelmed easily. But at the same time, that's you kind of need that to function, you know. You need it, yeah. Cuz I feel like if I'm not doing anything, I'm pretty useless. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, I'm the same way. So I need to feel useful and so I have a certain level of busy and that's why I've got like projects on the go right now. Um, yeah. yeah, I got to write a chapter for this month, right? Because like the the year I took off of editing ADD Masterminds, I I felt bad about that. I, I really did. I I didn't want to take a, a hiatus from that, but I kind of had to. You know, it was too much yeah. on my plate, and I was overstimulated, and and I just had more important things that I had to do. Which I, I, mean, I hate to admit, but you know. Well, you know, and I think what was interesting is I I took that year to kind of launch into the Wax Museum podcast, which is very different. Which has been going fantastically, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's fun. I'm getting all kinds of interesting guests. And, you know, it's funny. I had a a pastor from Seattle, Doug Bursch, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, And uh, he's just one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. Um, Every time that guy speaks, like he's, he's got like this radio show that he does and every time he does an episode it's like something that just cuts me to the heart right like it's one of those things where it's like wow holy spirit speaking right now really i really needed to hear this right and so it was kind of cool to have him on the podcast and he's like says to me he's like oh uh just to be honest i've never heard your podcast and i'm like dude most of the people that come on the podcast have never heard it so yeah i was it's all good actually I was actually, like, I always assume if I have someone on the podcast, they've never heard it before. Um, and I did that with ADD Masterminds when I was talking to Theosaurus Rex before we <laughs> recorded. I, I was saying to him, I'm like, so um, this is what the podcast is. This is what we do at the podcast. And he's like, oh, no, no, I've heard it. And I'm like, what? You've Wait, heard what? it? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like more than one episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, when I hear the term invert, I always, like, introvert, sorry, not invert. When I hear the term introvert, I keep thinking about belly buttons. I'm like, is that had to do with belly buttons? <laughs> not quite. So I've heard rumors about this new band that has started up in your neighborhood. Um, what? Called Tirefall, I believe it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, I... I I'm kind of curious to hear more about this. Uh, can can you tell me about them? Oh, it's uh, it's my son Xander and his two friends from youth group, and uh, they Get do out. a whole lot of '90s covers. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Xander's like super into like Green Day. Um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and. Uh, He's really into Chili Peppers. They'll do some of the Red Hot Chili Pepper songs, too. I, yeah. I'm not sure if they've done any yet, but that'll be coming soon. Um, cool. cool. It's funny. We actually uh, were using our garage as a rehearsal space, and the neighbors weren't too happy about that. And so we're <laughs> moving to a church. 
Um, we're gonna do some. Uh, they're gonna do some rehearsing in a church. So, but are it's you a booking lot of gigs fun. yet? Or? And I Facebook Live it all the time. So, are you are you gonna book Sorry? some gigs for them or what? Um, not yet. Um, it's interesting though. I've actually um, had the opportunity to talk to like a guy who was a promoter, um, and we really? brought uh, John Rubin to Calgary once. You know, you know John Did Rubin, you really? rapper. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I wasn't in town when he came. I was like, it would have been so cool to be oh. there, so I could be like, I helped this happen. But um, he seems actually, like a cool guy. I'm actually trying to book some speaking gigs for a guy from uh, from uh, Portland at my at my <laughs> church or at my kid's school and stuff like that. So you never know. I might get into promoting people or whatever, right? So we'll see what Dude, happens. That's, that's fantastic, man. I, I know a, a really good uh, rapper in Texas that needs a promoter. Yes. Yeah. I know it would be great to get him some gigs in Canada. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure what I'm capable of. I'm just gonna just gonna try. So let me let me ask you this, John. As as um, one musician to another, okay. Uh huh. As I've been going back and listening to all this um, '90s, uh, '80s synth pop stuff, I went yeah. back and I started listening to uh, early Christian techno music, like Nitro Praise, Insole Records. Um. Stuff like that, you know, uh, Scott Blackwell and, and guys like him. And I got to thinking, uh, you don't really hear a lot of that for a long time. It just, there wasn't much. And then Hillsong Young and Free came around and they started reviving yeah. the synth pop kind of sound. And I was really yeah. intrigued by that. And there's something about it that just, I like, you know, and so... Uh-huh. I, I'm kind of I'm feeling that it's kind of stirring creative juices in me, and I'm kind of wondering if I should try and make some synth pop rock kind of sounding stuff because I'm not a good enough guitarist to really do like straight up rock and roll. You know, I mean I'm okay, but I'm I'm no Stevie Ray, not by any long stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but but I can twiddle knobs and 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 press buttons and stuff, and I can do synth wave stuff. So I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to see what I can come up with. I, I really oh, would man. like to. I need to do that. I'd be intrigued to see what comes out of that. Um, hmm. Like, I I don't feel like I've got, like, super special ki- skills as a musician. Um, but I, I'm kind of... It's almost like you got to find your Johnny Cash. Like, you know, like, Johnny <laughs> right. Cash is like... It's not like he was a super skilled singer or guitar player. No. But he found his style. Right. And right. so and I'm like, I don't know when I hear you play guitar or I hear you do synth stuff. I'm like, this guy's amazing. And so I, I can't even fathom that you'd be like, oh, I'm limited in this way. Right. But um, well, you know, but it's like rock what you got. Right. Like, I, I think that's right. it. And uh, yeah, find it's my so niche. funny. It's really cool to see, you know, your kids start being creative. Right. And <laughs> like that. Just, just what's coming out of, you know, my kids right now is fascinating me, and so just trying to foster that. And like, I've been, that. I've been fortunate enough that you know, like, he's he wants me to come and help him with his band, right? Like, it's not just like, I'm gonna do this band thing. Like, he wants me to be there and help them out, right? Which is I love something that. I, 
I do, you know, at the school, I do some clinician work there, right? So it's just kind of like helping them build dynamics or helping them work together. And it's, 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 it's fun work and it's rewarding. And I'm like, and I'm realizing too more and more, it's like, it's so much better to promote other people's work than to have to promote your own. Right. True. Yeah. And it's, and you can just like brag as much as you want about someone else's work. <laughs> and so I'm happy to do that. It's awesome. Yeah, man, that's great, dude. I, I want to hear more from them, man. I, I love, I love the idea of tire fall and you having a, your kids put a band together in a garage. I love that. I love everything about that. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Hey, yes. so, um, I've been thinking a lot about that term faith, like a child. And I feel okay. like initially when I first heard it, which I probably heard it when I was a kid, but initially when I heard it, I thought, oh, kids will believe anything. That's what faith like a child is. But that's not totally it, is it? Children ask questions. Yeah, they can. And to answer your question earlier about the difference between faith and certainty, I think the main difference between faith and certainty is certainty is usually something you can explain. Like, I'm certain that, you know, eventually my car is going to run out of gas and I'm going to have to fill it up. I can explain that. Yeah. But having faith, um, you can't really explain it. It's evidence of things unseen. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm stuck on this idea of mystery. It's like there's a mystery to our Christianity. There's a mystery to God. And it's like... Yes. And it's like this idea that um, we pursue mystery. We pursue the mystery of God. Hmm. And like, I mean, I read this book. Jonathan Merritt said um, he asked a guy, Richard Rohr, you know, like he said, if these mysteries can't be understood... Why do we even pursue them? And Richard Rohr said to him, Good question. He said, it's not because they're, we're unable to understand them. They're not under, not, what is it, ununderstandable. They're infinitely understandable. So it's like we're kind of going in on this journey to understanding God and there's always more to discover and it's infinite. And I think that's part of the reason why we will be with him for eternity because we'll just be continuously discovering more and more of his attributes. Hmm. There's a lot about him that we don't understand like the Mendelbrot set. <laughs> you know, things like that, like we see, we see, um, math and things like that and the laws of nature and physics and things like that but those things were in place before we existed and so as we discover yeah. them we discover more about the mind of the creator that put them in place and as you see how those things are implemented which is really fascinating and i'll mention that guys um dr jonathan lyle is his video again because he was showing a picture a mathematical graph of a fractal and then a real-life picture of an object that looked almost exactly like it, like huh. a bolt of lightning or a pine cone or, huh. you know, the, these all these snowflakes or frost patterns on a window or clouds. or And they were all, yeah. like, almost exactly 
like a fractal, you know, just the way that they, they, the patterns are laid out and they repeat on themselves infinitely, you know, um, down to the molecular structure almost. And it's just so fascinating to me to think that that was all mathematically created and put in motion by the mind of God. And it just, it just kind of blows my little mind, you know, to think that they can do that stuff. And I, and I guess thinking about like Jesus and how Jesus interacted with people. And it's like when people encountered Jesus, their minds were blown in like a good way. And I'm like, it really challenges them. I want that. And if I'm going to emulate Christ, if I'm going to allow the Holy spirit to work through me, I will be blowing people's minds in a good way too. And yes. I've just been thinking, that's what I want. And it's like I'm reflecting something bigger than myself. And I feel like it's so easy for us to dumb down our Christianity, to like say, well, no, 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 it's simple. Look at this system of theology. And if you guys engage in these 12 rules, you know, or whatever, and it's like, no, 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 no. no. Don't do that. Don't make it so systematic. And it's right. like, and it's, I think... Part of it, too, is having the humility to say, you know what, I don't really understand it. Therefore, I'm not going to expect you to understand certain things either, right? Like, it's, it's like right. leaving that space because everybody's on a very different journey. And it's like, I, I really feel like it's, it's, it's like God's calling us back to just growing Jesus in people. You're you blowing know, my mind, of, John. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> in a good way yeah. or is it a bad way? <laughs> it's, it's, in a, it's in a good way, though. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's something that we, we're always going to be challenged. Um, always going to be challenged by God just because of who he is and who we are. You know, there's always going to be things about him we don't understand. And he's always going to ask us to understand things on faith and apply that you know, based on what he says, not on what we think. Um, and there, there's so many more things we could go into about that and, and the the mind and the spirit and all these other things. And just, we, we don't have time to get into all of that tonight, but yeah. Hey, did you get um, the Acme Christmas lasers um, for your Christmas tree? Oh, you know what? They have the lasers now that you can get for your front yard that project snowflakes onto the side of your house. Have you seen those? No, I haven't seen that. They're snowflake lasers that you can buy for your yard. That's an actual thing. Now, I'm assuming it's a laser because it shoots light at the side of your house and makes shapes with it. So it's for me, that's considered a laser. Um, you know, it's, it's probably actually like a, I don't know, like a, just a, like a light bulb or something like that. But it looks kind of laser-like with all the things moving. Um, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So just, you know, make your house look like Christmas, shoot lasers onto the side of your house and make it look like it's snowing. There you go. Acme snow lasers. And I did order some laser tree lights too. I'm not sure how exactly those work, but do do you remember the fiber optic trees that had the fiber optic (laughs) lights all through them? Those are cool too. Yeah. Do you know what a fiber optics is basically lasers in a glass tube, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it, it forces the light to move in a straight line. So you basically 
they they use lasers to shoot fiber optics. Like when you have internet through fiber optics, they use lasers to shoot that through those. So lasers, laser, you can have laser tree. Have a laser Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I'm not doing Christmas yet. I've been dreaming yet. of a laser Christmas. <laughs> it burns off nose hairs in your nose. or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. Um, remember, guys, uh, be careful um, with those Killy drones. Um, yeah. Don't mistake... Um, don't mistake... Killy drones for like picture drones or delivery drones. There's right. a big difference. Yeah, and the podcast is feeling kind of fuchsia right now. And um, as we, uh, you know, tell our beaver and otter friends, raise your tentacles to the sky, and we will. I, I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> Catch y'all on the flippity floppity. <laughs> Instead. Hey, 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 hey.